Blog Talk Radio. No More Heroes, We Twist and Shout. That is Friends of Mine by Duran Duran. For those of you who don't know because you're just so ignorant out there, I don't know. How could you not know that song? Bosh, you know what it was, though, right? I think you were throwing up or something? No, I, was, I, I called it music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. I'm Amy Peacock, and you're listening to the little pre- show soiree on blog talk radio for don't let it go unheard this is may 16th welcome 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 and yeah the theme of today's show is i'm sorry to say nihilism and as i've posted around facebook and twitter and elsewhere the inspiration was going for this walk this morning now i've been going for earlier walks than usual the last couple days and it's because we're having these horrific high temperatures out here in Southern California. It was over 100 for the last couple days. So I was taking these early walks. And then today, I think the highs are just over 90 or something. So it's a reprieve, although I still hate this weather. I'm, I'm a native Californian. And to me, highs in the high 60s or low 70s, that's what I like. That's what I want as many days of the year as possible. And you probably get the most of those in Southern California, but then every so often we get these curveball weeks, and, and what we've got right now is this real nasty heat wave. So I'm going out in the early morning, walking the dog, making sure that I get out there before it's truly horrific, and I figured, okay, I'd do the same thing this morning, because even though it's only going to be 90 plus, that's still hot in my book, and I've also got a black dog, so I'm sure a dog with a black fur coat appreciates the sacrifice too, so that's what we were doing. 
You should have played Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. By the way, Bosh, I just noticed. Guess what we need? What? We need our show clock that Daniel designed yes, for do. me. Can you get my iPad? Yep. I can't believe I knew I forgot something. It's terrible. So I'm going to ramble, and then we're going to, to miss our show clock timing. So we definitely need that as soon as possible. In any event, I was out there, and I thought, oh, I'll have this pleasant walk this morning. And instead of a pleasant walk, I had a smoke walk. I smelled smoke as soon as I got out there, and I couldn't even believe that that was what life was today. Now, let's see here if I can get this little show clock running and see if we can get on schedule ASAP. Thanks again, Daniel, for designing this tool, but of course, the tool works only if you use it, and now we're using it. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm like, where's my clock? Where is my clock? Yeah, and, and Bosch has got a couple of things uh, about this week, too, on the kind of nihilist theme. Because to me, the arson that causes these fires potentially here in Southern California, and there is a potential link to the fires down by San Diego to some arsonists in Escondido. Arson is pure nihilism. Here you are consciously deciding to not only burn these living trees, but you're doing it knowing that it's going to have the result of killing and destroying values all along the path of the fire as it goes on. And nonetheless, you just decide you're going to go ahead and do it. I mean, that is about as low as it comes. And so we're going to talk about that and also other forms of nihilism. If you want to get in on the discussion today, talk about any of the stories we have at DontLetItGo.com, call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760 760- 888-5817, and we'll be starting up here in a second or two. Fun here. Hi, this is Amy Peekoff, and you're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is the May 16th edition, and we had our usual intro of May Spray there interrupted rudely by Duran Duran. How did that happen? <laughs> Bosch is waiting for me to appoint Play him music DJ for the show, yeah. and what we need to do for that is we do have one more input into our USB mixer, and we need to get the proper cord and assign that to Bosch's iPhone or iPad or something that accesses his vast music <laughs> collection. And I think we're going to go ahead and do that. Although that wouldn't have helped us right here because I was playing the intro song. I think you'll get the intro and the end songs. I'll get the little short ones. The, the, the bumpers in the middle. Yeah. I have some plans for the bumpers today. They're not really well formed, but we'll see how that goes as, as time goes on here. Anyway, welcome everyone. 
as uh, I was mentioning all over Facebook and Twitter this morning, the title of today's show was inspired by me smelling smoke during my morning walk this morning. As some of you know, I live in Southern California, and there are fires raging all over the place, and the smoke is starting to spread everywhere. You can smell it. You can even see it. I'm actually wondering whether I should get some of those little paper mask things or whatever for later today because it, it seems to be getting worse as the day goes on. I took a short walk this morning and I could smell it, but otherwise it didn't seem too bad, but it does seem to be getting worse out here. Obviously, I stay inside with the air conditioning right now, so I'm not smelling too badly, but I think you can smell it in the house. Can you smell it in here? Not right now. Not right now? But I just smell it outside. For it sure. could be that my nasal passages are now completely polluted from having taken that walk and I'm just going to smell it all day, I have no idea. But I was thinking about the arsonists who are accused of doing this. They've picked up a couple of guys in Escondido, yeah. and they say, well, they're not exactly sure whether these guys are Just the ones the record, that did uh, it. But Al-Qaeda um, told some of their rats to go out there and start fires in America. Right. They, they did, so it could be them. Well, just, and, just could be some other and, rats. And I don't know who these kids are. A couple kids on bicycles or something. They got them, maybe an adult and a kid, something like that. But even if it, were, it wasn't these two that ended up causing all of these fires, and there's numerous fires in the San Diego area, what we do know is that these two guys were seen setting fires in wild brush area. So these guys were trying to achieve the result that did actually happen, whether the particular actions that they took ended up causing what we've been experiencing out here, I don't know. But that was their intent, and they took actions consistent with that. So these guys are, as we're going to discuss today, nihilists. They are out to destroy values, and there's no other explanation or way to talk about it. I mean, you could talk about, and I was going back and forth with some people on Facebook this morning, yeah, fire does have benefits it can be pretty but if you are setting fire to a living thing a bush a tree a shrub whatever and you were doing it knowing that the logical consequence is entire apartment buildings are going to be burned down as has happened already people's homes are going to be burned down people other people's homes and apartments and stuff are being damaged a lot of people are going to have to evacuate. They're fearing for the safety of their animals and for themselves and their prized possessions. This is horrible uh, damage that you're doing, and there's basically no other explanation for it. But the thing is, when I was discussing, I wanted to have the uh, title of today's show, something like Arson and Nihilism. Mm -hmm. And Bosch came in and saved me. And he recalled for me the following, which I'm going to play for you now. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. 
So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was good sport. Because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And that's it. That's from The Dark Knight. I, that is an excellent... Alfred Pennyworth, uh, Bruce Wayne's butler and mentor and ally and friend and talking to Bruce Wayne about the Joker, about the terrorist Joker, about the guy who literally burns, you know, millions. <laughs> Remember that, that one moment where he, he burned all that money? Right. He said, no, I'm just burning my half. All, all the rest was getting burned, too. And that's why I think when, when the, the first image of Obama, if you remember, like the first critical visual image of Obama was as a socialist, they call it, and they had him as the Joker, which is perfect. It's perfect. And I don't know if the artist who did that recognized at the deepest level that essentially Obama is a nihilist. a nihilist. I don't think it did. But we will talk about some of his nihilist policies, some of the policies that are occurring on his watch in this week's show. If you go over to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, you will see links to all the stories, etc., that we plan to discuss, including that little clip from YouTube that I just played for you, which was perfect. You know, sometimes you go looking for something yeah. on YouTube, and That's it's perfect. not edited nicely. It's low sound quality. And with the soundboard, I love. It, it just works beautifully right, yeah. right through it. Again, thanks to Craig and other donors who have Thank made so the sound board upgrade possible. That's wonderful. And thanks also to people who responded to my little call out last week because we are going to doing blog about. talk renewal right. coming up as well. Um, thanks for the donations and response. It's very helpful because we are at the end of this month, we're going to be renewing our annual blog talk contract. So we definitely appreciate it. You had another thought? Well, you know, Obama, no doubt he's needless. But one, if there's one thing that he, that you can almost second guess him on everything he does is what is bad for America? What is the most anti-American policy I can commit to? Because he is committed to doing the wrong thing for America. He is committed to it. It is absolutely clear. He sides with our enemies in every way. And uh, it seems like it's coming to a head in the last few weeks. It seems like everything he's touching is just, it's, it's, it's so obviously poison. I don't even think his, his supporters can defend him in any way. I think even they're like, this is, this is too much. Right. Because a lot of supporters are not nihilists. They're, they're, they're just weak-minded. They're idiots, a lot of them. No, I don't know. And, and what I wanted to do, too, is kind of take a revisit of the term nihilism itself and see to what extent the definition does or doesn't apply to Obama. And then who was the first? What is the sound that we're hearing? Oh, it's some trucks or something. Who was okay. the first to uh, basically label him a nihilist in our circle? In, 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 our, in our circle, it's Leonard Peikoff. And, that, and that's what I was thinking about because if, if the artist sort of on an implicit level got the connection to the Joker, then yeah. on, implicitly Absolutely. he understood the nihilism. Destruction. And Evil. because yeah. the, the Joker, another line that we could actually play, and if you want to bring up the YouTube, I would definitely play it, is the Joker explaining mm. how if you even are doing crimes by some sort of rule, right. that, Wait, talking to two that somehow that is better than what he was doing, which was utter chaos. Yeah. And he's an Com agent completely, chaos. Yeah, completely breaking all rules. Now, nihilism, I've got a few different definitions here. One is from MiriamWebster.com, and it says, The belief that traditional morals, ideas, beliefs, etc. have no worth or value. And then it says, The belief that society's political and social institutions are so bad that they should be destroyed. 
And when I think of, um, you've got it? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, you can either send it to me or we can play it up. Oh, you don't have a good speaker there. But we'll we'll uh, we'll get that now, clip up. I have a two-minute version or a 27-second version. I'm, I'm not sure. If, you know, let's, gonna... let's maybe go for the two-minute yeah. version. We're, we'll be more likely to get the part that we want. This is what you get when you get stuff on the fly here during a live show. You. I should have had that clip before. That's fine. It's a, it's a good one. Very good. I think I think it's definitely. Uh, it's a joker talking to face. But so 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 here that I mean basically you know what does Obama want to do? Obama wants to achieve a fundamental transformation of the United States. Fundamental as, transformation. As you said it, five days before the election, two thousand eight. Right. That we're five days from achieving a, a fundamental, fundamental transform- transformation. Yeah. Of America. I mean that that he believed that all the institutions that we had were so bad that they should be destroyed. And that is what he has set himself out to do. And that he, that's what he's exceeding. As an end game, you know, as an end game, destroy. Whatever comes after, it doesn't matter. Destroy what is, like Marx, everything that exists must be destroyed. Now, the interesting thing is that the newer the provider of the definition, the more concrete in the nihilism, the description of nihilism that you get. So if you go to dictionary.com, Total rejection of established laws and institutions, anarchy, terrorism, or other revolutionary activity. So now they're not talking about a set of beliefs, mm. but what sort of actions that you do. Total and absolute destructiveness, especially toward the world at large and including oneself. And they talk about the power mad nihilism that marked Hitler's last years. But, but these scum, you know, they want to personally profit while they're destroying also at the same time. You know, and they want to profit from this. Like, like Obama is cashing in on what he sees uh, as a culture that was ready for it, this irrational culture. It's because, true. Because uh, he saw us. He, you know, he took our measure and said, okay, I got this. Why the hell would he run? He wasn't even one year into his, uh, into his Senate job. One last definition, and this is actually from a hardcover version of Oxford English Dictionary. This is the old set that I got from Leonard Peikoff. And if you look there... Again, it is all about beliefs and doctrines that one holds and less about the actions that one takes. So the first definition is negative doctrines in religion or morals, total rejection of current religious beliefs or moral principles, an extreme form of skepticism involving the denial of all existence. So the denial, not acting to achieve the negation of all existence, right? right? So it's, right. It, they're not talking about actions in these uh, you know, definitions here. One is uh, the doctrine or principles of the Russian nihilists, and that's something that Dictionary.com also mentioned. And then nihilism, theologian version of it, it denoted the, the uh, in theology the view that the human nature of Christ had no true subsistence. So what when Jesus Christ existed, there was no actual human being there, maybe an illusion. I don't know. I, I would have to get more into theology, but that was apparently the historical root of the term the uh, lies and evil and lies how necessary lies are for evil people for evil to get away with itself um, it's you know I have this one piece there's a lie and evil literally the letters I you know pulled them down lie L-I-E is, is in, in evil someone said vile as well but that's not as, as fundamental um, I would, you know you look at Obama he's been lying his ass off for how long now to get where he is he lied that he was friends with a terrorist he lied that he came from a Muslim background. You know, he said, oh, no, I was always Christian. That's an absolute lie. I mean, he, his entire career, and, you know, uh, what's his name, sold him out a little. Uh, the um, preacher, what's his name, Jeremiah Wright, he revealed to some, to some I think it was uh, 
Dinesh D'Souza or someone said, well, what Obama told me was, well, I'm not like you. You have, to, you, have to, you have to tell the truth, Obama told him, as a criticism. You know, like, yeah, I'm not like you. You've you got to tell the truth, meaning I have to lie in my job. To get, to I mean, get this is terrible. And th- this is another way to even look at all the different ways that Barack Obama has violated our rights. Because even if there are a lot of policies that you sign on for Barack Obama, you, you like a lot of his policies, and you voted for him because you like some of his policies, he is achieving your acceptance right. of those policies via pretense, right. via lying. And he knows he has to. I mean, he knows he is nothing without lies. He knows he would never have gotten anywhere near the presidency without lying his ass off. He knows that. And as I said, in a, in a just world, he'd be on a street corner hitting up people as a, a street agitator telling them to you know, actively live against themselves, against their own best interests. Or, as I said, in jail for fraud. Right. Now, you sent me this clip, and let me see if I can get it to come up here in a uh, nice and wonderful way. You want to set up the context or just uh, people yeah, so, most likely have seen it? So this is a clip in which the Joker... He's explaining himself yeah, it's to gonna, uh, the, the uh, DA who's now Two-Face. It's Two-Face. Who, yeah, that's who he is now. I just read what I do best. I took your little plan and I turned it on itself. Look what I did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets. Hmm? You, you know what I noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan. Even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that like a gangbanger will get shot. Or a truckload of soldiers will be blowing up. Nobody panics. Because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mare will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's fear. You think it's enough? Maybe. You live. Huh? Yeah. He's about to flip a coin and decide whether the Joker lives or dies. We'll, uh, That's we'll stop how it now. arbitrary the um, two faces. I mean, he literally kills people or doesn't kill them on a flip of a coin. Yeah. That's his character. I mean, this is how some people live their lives, but that's yeah. a whole other story for another day. You know, these are very, I mean, it's the most explicit I think the Joker's ever gotten about himself and what he does. You know, um, I think I think that's right. And people have, you know, made him into this crazy guy, a clown type thing. No, he's, an, he's anti-life. You know, I can't remember the exact quotation, but I remember that Rand spoke about the fact that if you had a totalitarian dictatorship in which regimented rules were laid down, even though they're very draconian, very harsh to live under, that it's better than Mm -hmm. the total chaos that someone like the Joker describes. And Obama, I mean, this is his policies. Uh, Businessmen, they don't know how they're going to be hit with the next Pen and a phone. Absolutely. Pen and a phone. At the drop of a pen and a phone, I'm going to just ambush you. Right. And you can do anything. You can't do anything about it. You gave me this, this power. What do we think about me? You voted me in. You chose me. 
and I'm going to make you pay for it. Anyway, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, and you can see all the different stories having to do with this nihilist theme that we're planning to discuss. Thanks for digging up that clip, Bosch, because that's a another completely apt one. But I love the one of Alfred oh, describing man. the Joker. Powerful. And for him to have that kind of insight, because Bruce, you know, is pretty much he's pretty simple and clean, black and white. That's how he goes. Criminals aren't uh, hard to understand. Alfred he goes, well, maybe maybe they are. Maybe this one is. Because right. you know, she came in contact with those kind of people before. No reason, no nothing, no logic. I'd like to see any updates you're able to find on this story, Bosch. Maybe go to LA Times and see if there's been an update on the arson investigation. Mm. But the story that I have linked to over at DontLetItGo.com is from the LA Times. It says, Wildfire Scorch Parched California. 2,600 firefighters respond, and they describe all of the horrible fires and the damage that has happened different fires. This one has burned 632 acres. Then there's another one, uh, excuse me, 1,200 acres, only 10% contained as of earlier today, etc. Um, there's one next to Camp Pendleton, 6,300 acres, and they believed that there were a couple of men, and I believe it was a, one man and one boy. Yeah, an adult male and a juvenile arrested on suspicion of arson in Escondido late Thursday. And they were arrested because witnesses reported them for allegedly trying to set two small fires inside the Escondido city limits. They attempted to flee on bicycles but were overtaken. So here are people purposefully setting fires in a time where they know exactly what the consequences will be. I'm interested to learn more about this, but it's that sort of thing, the idea that you're going to go out there and cause purposeful destruction. The other type of people that you would think of instead of an Al-Qaeda, because Al-Qaeda certainly would do this in order to spark terror. I was also thinking of the Occupy type. Oh, yeah. Because the people whose homes are probably more likely to be endangered in these oh, fires the are yeah yeah some of some of the one percent who are living outside of even suburban areas right where you're living more up against nature who can afford to have significant land with animals and all that no doubt the one percent and they'll get them in general they'll, you know as far as they're concerned we can get a whole load of them as far as they're concerned and what do the occupy people think happened to the horses that are living on these properties right. blank out right. you know supposedly they have sympathy for animals i would assume or to their occupy um, allies who maybe live in the basement of those homes maybe rent home rent rooms mm. from no yeah? no not rents just just squat <laughs> you know oh god i don't know but in any event i was thinking maybe it could be some occupied types and we'll maybe we'll learn more as time goes on but that was indeed the inspiration in terms of nihilism we have no dearth of stories about that this week the big one and i already posted this on don't let it go unheard the page on facebook the other day and it was this report says and this is from cbs news 36,000 criminals freed while awaiting deportation. 36,000 criminals freed while awaiting deportation. Can I just say something? You mm -hmm. know what always comes to mind? Uh, villains in movies who do that. I mean, villains. Evil, destructive villains who break out other villains. That's what happens in comic books and movies. Yes. Bane did it in uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Right. Remember that? Bumped right. all those guys out. Right. This is, this is it. I mean, this is what he does. Says the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement released 36,007. 
<laughs> convicted criminal aliens last year. Maybe Murderers, they, rapists, etc. They were waiting the outcome of their deportation proceedings. The group of released criminals includes those convicted of homicide, sexual assault, kidnapping, and aggravated assault. The majority of the releases were not required by law and were discretionary. According to the report, they represented nearly 88,000 convictions. So 36,000 people, 88,000 convictions. Many of them were guilty of multiple crimes. 193 homicides, 426 sexual assault, 303 kidnapping, 1,075 aggravated assault, 1,160 stolen vehicle convictions, 9,187 dangerous drug convictions. Who knows what that is? Uh, drunk or drugged driving convictions, over 16,000 of those. 303 no flight escapes. And no doubt the Republicans who want to uh, help Obama get his immigration reform bill through are not moved by this. Uh, oh. John Boehner is like, oh, what are you going to do? Valerie Jarrett says that they've got Boehner in their pocket. Yes. So, you know. But the, to me, this is pure, pure nihilism in the sense that what is Obama's first job supposed to be? Yes. Protect exactly. us. From well, that's not his job. That's what the job of his position is supposed to be. I mean, not his job. His job is to destroy us. And well, he's doing a hell of a job. I mean, he's doing a great job. But he has engaged in nihilism all across in the way that he has conducted his he's, presidency, it, no, but it's, de- it's defaulting so on the jobs that he's supposed to do. I mean, the whole purpose of protecting human rights is to protect our values, and he has clearly de- defaulted on that. So now I'm going to zoom over here. Bosch is pointing out to me that I'm getting on a rant and I'm going to lose timing of our show here. We will be back very shortly with more. Okay, Bosch is throwing up because I'm playing Bush. No, it's not bad. <laughs> Especially when he's not like uh, doing that fake raspy voice thing. So, t- so tell me when I'm going to get like the whole transition to the bumper break thing like down perfectly, Next Bosch. year. Next year? Yeah. Is it going to take me a year to do this? Probably. Please, please, let's not. If I did a show every day, it'll be nice. I would if practice we had, like, every a, day. If we had a studio guy, you know, doing that whole thing, and we just, you know what I mean? But. <laughs> Whatever. We'll it would be nice if when you point to the clock exactly. that I, or, just, I don't go, oh, no, okay, well, now no, I got to... No, but no one has, has pointed the clock. You know exactly when because someone's there to tell you with a little beep or something. A little but warning. But there's, there's always going to have to be something yeah. that interrupts my I've been train in, of thought. I've been and then there's always going to have to be me reacting to the interruption of the train of thought smoothly. I, I was on a radio on a radio station before in Nashville Place, KFI. It was great. And then you got the whole guys in the background. You were also in, uh, in in San Diego, I think. Right. It's really, really great. You got a guy doing that whole. F- I mean, he's figuring all, everything out that you don't need to. It's excellent. But you still have to rely, in that case, on the host. Oh yeah. To handle the transition smoothly. And also smoothly. to finish his thought, you know, appropriately within within time. Sometimes they don't. Even the best of them don't. Sometimes they go over. They actually skip over a commercial break. 
They do, and then they make up for it at, right. at, at the beginning of the next of the next. Uh, at stuff. this point now, all of my breaks are hard breaks, so it's not like you know what I should be if I'm a very good commercial radio yeah. host. What I should be doing is putting soft breaks also in the middle where I'm talking about our sponsor Audible. Right. Yes. Right. And we don't talk about our sponsor, no, Audible. I've been stuff. listening to the greatest novel ever written. Now, you know what that is. I, mean, everyone, I know what that is. It's the greatest novel ever written, Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged. And I'm listening to it, and just even, even uh, Leonard Peikoff's intro, just just the insight that Rand had about her characters and what... This is 1946. She was writing her notes 11 years before it was actually published, and it seemed like she figured the fundamentals out way in advance. You know, I can't decide whether this is going to end up staying in the chapter, the first chapter of my book, which I'm almost completely done with. Yay. But I do mention in there, you know, in terms of the importance of privacy, my belief that we are heading toward another dark age and that for evidence of how far along this path we are, people should read or reread Atlas Shrugged, compare what's going on today. I mean, that is a good way of seeing how far along the path we really are. And that's, you know, one thing that I talk about, we'll see if it's too controversial to bring that up in my first chapter of the book. Do you think I'm going to lose people if I say that one of my main concerns about privacy is its connection to free speech and expressing the ideas necessary to save the culture? I think it's important to set the stage yeah. in the first chapter, the gist at least, and then all the, all the fine diesels after the fact. But that's, well, I don't that's know if heading towards the dark age is a fine detail or no, no, it's I just mean, something that's going to be, you well, know. Well, if we continue this path, yeah, we're done. There's yeah. no question about it. And that's not being a pessimist. There's no, if we continue this path, we're done. And we're fighting against that. If you need to read or reread Atlas Shrugged and you'd like to do it in audiobook form, you can do it by going to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock and you can actually get it as part of your free trial. That would be Totally cool, don't you think? Oh, sure. It's the greatest novel I've written, but Fountainhead is my favorite novel of all. So that's my distinction. We'll be talking more about that maybe after the break. Okay, we are back. And just before the break, I was going on a little bit of a rant about the nihilism. Oops. <laughs> I just turned off my microphone. I was I was so smooth, Wait. so smooth, and then I turned off the microphone. It sounds a little different. I don't know. I okay. think it's I think it's okay now. Okay, good. <laughs> someone could tell us in the chat room. I appreciate it. Um, who, who said? If someone could just let us know. Cause oh yeah, no, I think they can hear us now. Me. No, but you know what? The thing with this microphone button, the the uh, it's a phantom power button, and it doesn't have an immediate response. So if you turn it off, I think it turns it off pretty quickly, but when it turns it back on, it kind of yeah. slowly powers it up, and it certainly doesn't like having it turn off and on all the time. So basically, I was just doing a big, nice. huge snafu. And I, I had done the bumper so smoothly. Yeah. I was so proud of myself. Right. And then I turned off our so mic. Just in terms of nihilism, uh, this could go along those ways, even though I think those behind are not needless per se. I think they're cowards, the super cowards in Marvel Comics. Uh, they're basically, I mean, as I put it, I, I said, whatever Marvel Comics believes they're doing with their quote-unquote Muslim superhero, they're promoting Osama bin Laden's religion. 
That's what they're doing. Right. They're promoting a religion that sanctions misogyny, censorship, Jew hatred, homophobia, wife, wife beatings, beheadings, honor killings, pedophilia, which I call child marriages, murdering infidels. They're promoting evil. So whatever else they think they're doing in, in good intentions and all that crap, they're promoting one of the most evil ideologies of all time. Right. And they're presenting to us with a good face. And that's evil. And in, in the meantime, when we were talking about what is our president doing, defaulting just brazenly on job one. Job one, again, is supposed to protect our rights. He's supposed to protect our rights. And He's the chief violator of our rights. Definitely. And, and here what we have is we have criminals who have engaged in crimes involving the initiation of physical force. They have been convicted of these and, crimes. And against those who he's supposed to protect. Americans. Right, right. And these are foreigners. He's like, these are he's not Americans. Them. And he's saying, oh, well, we'll just go ahead and free them because they're not going to be deported. This is really, really ridiculous. There's a lot of movement on the immigration issue right now. Again, if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you'll see that the next story is from the Associated Press talking about an official, an, an official who says the immigration program is up for review and Drudge linked to this story with the headline, Obama considers executive orders on immigration. So basically, he's threatening to use his pen and his phone if John Boehner and everybody else don't vote on yes. some sort of immigration bill, that they're all going to give away the store, mm -hmm. probably. Oh, yeah. Imagine the pork that will be in whatever bill. Imagine how ill-considered the bill will be. It's going to be Obamacare for immigration, yes. basically. And if Obama wants it, you know it's bad. That's it. Right. What, I mean, so, you know, I mean, there's no other question about, wait, Obama wants this? Okay, we have to stop it. Instead, oh, okay. There's an interesting thing, though, that came up when I was reading this article that I wanted to discuss. Because when I was posting about the 36,000 criminals who were released under the Obama administration's default, they need to deport criminals. That was one thing at least, right? You could say, I'm for open immigration. Right. I'm for open immigration. However... If they are criminals, gone. You don't keep criminals here. No, you don't. No. And, you know, we, we have an irrational government also. So what kind of immigration, quote-unquote, reform will we have with unreformed politicians? It's impossible. Right. So I posted this, and I said this is a prime example of Obama defaulting on job one, which is to protect our rights. But, again, but then again, sorry, one second. His job one is what? Well, no, I know. I know. I know. I know. But no, but I mean, that's what he's here. defaulting on, right? But then someone responded and said, oh, well, he has deported more than Bush did under his administration. Now, listen, in this article, you learn why he, technically that's true, that he's deported more people than Bush has. And here's why. The program, this ICE program or whatever they have. Nice. Um, Immigration. Yeah. That's an acronym. I think that's the, yeah. the acronym for it. Anyway, there's this program. Oh, no, no. It's, it's actually, it's called Secure Communities. That's oh. something else. I, I got a different acronym mixed up. Imagine getting your government what? acronyms mixed up. But this is called the Secure Communities Program. And this program was started under the Bush administration, yes. But it was started in 2008. So is it any wonder it started toward the end of the Bush presidency? That Obama has exceeded yes. the number of deportations, even though he's been dragging his heels to deport the number of people. It says it has been expanded under Obama. It's probably been expanded only because that's what the legislation said it was supposed to be. And if it was expanded, I mean, how much by and everything. The point is, Obama is not deporting the people he should be deporting. 
which are criminals. Yes. And instead, what, they're going to let them out on the street yes. so that they can commit crimes again? That you is know they pure will. nihilism. It is pure losing. It, it, it is guaranteed these guys are going to commit crimes. Cartoon of the week. Obama as Bane yes. opening the prisons and saying, go on out, boys, Absolutely and right. do your worst. Something like Obano. that. Obano. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, Obano. <laughs> I, I think I got it. You think you got it? Yeah. Okay. So that that's your assignment, should you choose to accept it, <laughs> is right there. But it if, is mission possible. It's if very, if, very if people want to talk about it's the sub- example... Submission impossible. Sorry. If people want to talk about examples of nihilism that they have seen in the news this week, go ahead and give us a call, 760-888-5817. Over here in the chat room, we are uh, talking about, let's see what, in Freedom Breeze is saying, isn't it a matter of drawing a line for individual property rights are invasive ads harmful? Oh, they're talking about invasive ads. Invasive ads, what, here on Blog Talk Radio? I think someone had to maneuver around them to get here. The interesting thing is I'm supposed to be on an account such that you mm. will not see, at nice. least not on my screen for my own show, any audio or video ads. You're not supposed to be seeing any audio or video ads in the window where my show appears. If you are seeing those you need to let me know because that's actually a violation of my contract with Blog Talk. Where you might be seeing these ads are the ones on the side, maybe from either the header or the margins. Let me know if those are causing you trouble too. I mean, we can always file a complaint with Blog Talk about those. We do have a call on the line here. Let's go ahead and take it. Hi, who's this? Hey, Amy, it's Jonathan. Oh, hey, Jonathan. Jonathan. How are you? Thanks for calling in. My pleasure. I'm really enjoying the show, and I'm also uh, getting some of those ads for ads, video ads on the side, but um, all good. I'll gladly sit through it to enjoy your perspective and Bosch's uh, hilarious hijinks. So I, I, wanted to ask a, I wanted to ask a bit about, you had brought up the story about ICE and the immigrants or the immigration release of the, the criminals. I, I don't know if you mentioned or it makes a difference in your analysis, but these, these individuals were not released from prison. They had served their prison sentence. It was simply that their their deportation, uh, you know, track had not been followed up on. But none of them were released for prison or early released for the crimes that they had committed. Um, so whether they served their sentences or not, does that make a difference? That's your question. Yeah, that's. I guess yeah. that, that is my okay. that is my question. You know, they all of them um, served their served their sentences sentences for yeah. whatever crime they you committed. You know what? portion of them were actually traffic violations. I know there were some hardened criminals in there as well, but all of them served their sentences in the le- the justice system. The only question is, is that are they going to now be pursued for deportation as well? You know, I would think that some of them should still be deported, and it should be a similar standard to whatever you would have in a proper open immigration policy, which would be what sort of convicted violent criminals, whether or not they had served their sentences, presumably they would be if they're up for immigrating to the United States, uh, you know, if, if they had murdered somebody, wouldn't you want to still keep them out? I mean, you might look at a case-by-case basis, but I think a lot of violent criminals, whether or not they served their sentences in the past, if you're having the opportunity, do we let them in this country, let them live here or not? I would say no. And if their status is as illegal, they didn't come in here properly. And I mean, the fact that they served their sentence, I don't think would mean that much to me. Now, it isn't like, suppose they had already become citizens and then they should be treated like other citizens here. But if they had an illegal status, 
I would say no, they've messed up their chances to become a citizen by committing certain crimes. Now, some of the traffic violations, no. No, no. But suppose they're the type of person who's got, uh, you know, a horrible drunk driving incident where they are posing physical harm to us. Again, I use the standard of our government. Their job one is to protect us from physical harm. And if you see these people who are convicted of crimes where they have either purposefully done physical harm or recklessly engaged in conduct that is putting all of us at physical risk, those that's the kind of things I would look at if I was making the policy. So, um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't change my response for, for many of them. For some of them, okay, sure, you know, some of the drug crimes, I wonder what those drug crimes really are. Or some of the traffic violations, sure, not a big deal. But if these people pose serious physical harm to us and they have done serious physical harm to people in the past. On the record, yeah. yeah. What do you, well, what do you think, Jonathan? Just, you know, the, way, the way that I, I have heard it being spun thus far is really equating um, their their crime, whatever their crime happened to be, whether it's the drug tr- crime or something more serious, with the act of immigration itself. You know, we always hear them referred to as illegals, as if simply the act of being in this country itself, you know, is, you know, rational society in a moral world would be considered an illegal act. So, I mean, I, I see it almost as an opportunity for, for many, you know, uh, anti, uh, anti-immigrant people to, to kind of push this notion that immigration itself is an illegal act that the government has a right to control and dictate and determine who's legal and who's illegal simply because someone got caught with a bag of grass or you know stole stole some money from the local convenience store a lot of americans do that all the time they do their crime and they're released back into society now i i agree with you that some of that is ridiculous that we need to sort out the status of the people who are already here Illegally, we need to sort that out, but we need to sort it out according to a rational immigration policy. I don't think that you should just give amnesty and suddenly treat everyone who's here physically as if they should, you know, as if they're citizens already. The anti-immigration crowd definitely they love that, and they they love these stories. Oh, that's our thing! Now we can stop it. Like uh, with uh, what's the movie? The abortion movie. Oh, the Gosnell. They're yeah. trying to say basically there's this movie about this monster called Gosnell. He, you know, I'm sure Jonathan him. knows about it. <laughs> and no, I'm. I don't know oh, okay, yeah. And, and I'm sure everyone knows about and it. They're saying basically they're trying to equate him with abortion. That's abortion, and that's I mean that's just it's it's, it's dishonest is what it is. But that's what they're trying to to equate. And uh, the the people behind the film, they couldn't wait to to see this story because in their mind now we have it. Well, now we have the emotional issue. We so, can so, pound so, it. so your your parallel here is that yeah. people are seeing these thirty six thousand, some of them violent as the, as, criminals, yes. as not they, being deported as a similar thing yeah. to basically not having a yes. closed border. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I believe that's true. I believe because they can't wait for certain stories like this because they can bludgeon people with it as far as they're concerned with their positions. Right. I think I think you're right in that sense. Yeah. So I mean, as usual, Jonathan, we have that kind of objectivist middle ground position where we say, hey, some of these people really should have been deported, but others, not necessarily, and certainly not just because they were here, quote unquote, illegally. Every single case I'd want to look on a case by case basis. You know, did they come here? Uh, you know, did they come here just because they were seeking welfare benefits? Did they come here? Just wanting to work and, no, they, and you know, do, whole, a, do an honest day's work? Just, just it in makes terms a difference. of uh, if I'm in Mexico, if I'm Mexican and uh, I want a better life, I would absolutely try to get here. I would absolutely try to get here. 
and the government made a lot. Government makes it a lot easier for them to do it because they they haven't they haven't done what they said they would do. You know, build the border and all that. They don't care. They want them in here, and that's fine. So from and that I, perspective, I, I, I could see their their point. Go ahead, you know, Harry, Harry Binswanger makes the point, and I won't take up your whole afternoon, but makes the point in his wonderful article that you know in in a previous era before the the welfare state. Uh, you know, we attracted, I believe his term is the right kind of immigrant, you know, the immigrant that isn't coming for to live off uh, the welfare state or for free education or everything else. Um, so, you know, we live in a different culture right now, but I, let's not let our, our uh, dis, you know, dislike for the welfare state, for the entitlement state, be an excuse to exclude immigrants to the country. No, I mean, no. you know, and this is the thing, there are so many moving parts because there are so many things wrong with the yep. country right now. The first thing is to get rid of that magnet, the yeah. welfare magnet, where people just think they're going to come here and get free stuff. Our, yeah. yeah. And, and the nature of those who come will be a lot better. I mean, yeah. naturally. Yeah. But it, thanks, guys. Time. You guys are terrific. Thank you so much. Jonathan, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks so much for calling All in, right, Jonathan. Be well. I'm enjoying it. Thank thanks, thanks very much. That was Jonathan Honig of CapitalistPig.com, and he brought up what I think was a very excellent... Excellent point, Jonathan. Excellent Great. point. And, but, it, again, it doesn't change my analysis with respect to some of these people because some of them, I would not let them in the country, given the decision being now. And since they still have illegal status, and the question is, do we let them stay here or do we kick them out after they've committed a violent crime and they've shown that they're that kind of person... I'd kick him out. I'd kick him out. Now, again, case-by-case basis on some situations, but, you know, I mean, suppose one guy, you know, it was a second-degree murder because his wife was cheating with the mailman or, you know, and he served this long sentence and he's really not that guy or I don't know. if he ran over a jihadist... But by accident, there you go. He became a hero. I'm like, well, I don't know. we got to bring this guy in. Give, give him a medal. Right, right. But you know, still, I think uh, when in doubt, convicted for a violent crime, initiating force, I would say put them out. And here they are. They're going to, you know, use the pen and the phone in the Obama administration and try to come up with new immigration policies, reform this entire secure communities program. I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to say, look, we have caught people who are guilty of real crimes. Now, maybe you might modify it to just say, okay, violent crime. If they're convicted or they are suspected of violent crimes, you might detain them longer to sort it all out and figure out whether or not to deport them if they are illegal. But, you know, I, would you just pick up people randomly off the street and start deporting them? No. You know, you got the on the on the right sometimes you have these people they're truly anti-immigrant in the ugly sense they are and they i don't know what majority they, they make up but they're but they're there and again they couldn't wait for stories like this but i do appreciate jonathan coming in and uh, mentioning that because that's not being reported <laughs> it's almost being hidden state defiance here in the chat room is saying when in doubt kick them out and i would say when it involves the commission of a violent crime yes because we just don't need that. <laughs> Jonathan says it's way cooler than being on the radio with Howard Stern or Don Imus. I don't know, Jonathan, you're going to get so much more business if you're on the radio with Howard Stern. But the problem with those, is it is it Stern who got that woman to say things yeah. that cost her millions of dollars? Uh, Mel Gibson's ex-wife, I think, yeah. $700,000, I think, she lost. She lost. Because she spoke about something that she couldn't, that that she was legally bound to, so... Probably because she was awed by Howard Stern and how cool he was, Who and then knows? she said things she shouldn't. She, she have said. opened up, and she shouldn't have. Fifteen minutes of fame. Fifteen but minutes of fame. I did. Uh, I did hear recently. Uh, I don't know if you 
people have listened. Uh, Bill Maher was great on Islam recently. He took on all comers, uh, liberals, conservatives, libertarians. He stuck to his guns about Islam. And then uh, you find out that Howard Stern had a problem with, with him about something. But then you find out Howard Stern's position about Islam and 9-11. It's excellent. It's hmm. rational. I mean, it's absolutely... So he's I mean, good on that as he's well? He's very good on okay. that. He's, he's from New York, so he probably knew people who, who were butchered, so... That's good. That's good to know. I mean, that tells you something about him. Whatever else, you know, he's low life, all that, but he uh, is very good about not loving. We should have included a link to Bill Maher this week because he did oh, good segments on two things. Two things. Excellent. Islam and the Fourth Amendment. So that And uh, nice. Kathleen Parker. I think she's a hack Republican in writing for the Washington Post. She wrote some stuff in there. You read it. You can't quite believe you're reading it. And Maher called her out. I think she said something like, you've got to be careful what you think about and sure as hell don't express it i mean some really shocking stuff here she wants us to censor ourselves and, and she's, she's supposedly a republican she's a, supposedly a republican i think she's a hollywood republican meaning she's a liberal i don't know but uh it's terrible i mean she said basically don't think certain thoughts more or less that's what she's tried to suggest that's shocking in, in in the context of the of the Don, right. uh, the, the Sperling. Myth. I mean, you could say that the whole conservative idea. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them that fall into this camp that want to destroy Snowden, want to keep the NSA going and keep that spying going. That's a, a huge swath of nihilism in the culture that you wouldn't have thought would come from the Republicans, but it does. One thing also on the Howard Stern, uh, he had this one song that someone did did a great job. It's called you know the old Frank Sinatra song, "Strangers in the Night." Strangers on my flight. It was about basically a guy on a plane. Seems he sees some funny-looking Muslims, right? Takes a baseball bat and starts pounding them before they can take over the uh, the plane. It's hilarious. Check it out. Strangers on my flight. It was years ago. Yeah, people still. I mean, it's it's a good to just kind of bring up the reminder every so often. So let's let's go on to nihilism in another topic, another thing that Obama and Democrats and environmentalists have been doing to destroy values. This one is Enviro's attack markets to kill energy industry. Thanks to Rob Abiria for sending this story to me. It's from netrightdaily.com. And uh, the story is written by Rick Manning. And let me see if I can find a date to the story here. Yeah, the 14th. So this week. It says, the strategy has been obvious for a number of years, but rarely has it been so blatantly espoused as in an article by 350.org founder Bill McKibben in Politico magazine, where he attacks the development of a liquefied natural gas export terminal in suburban Maryland. McKibben, who has been leading the effort to prevent the import of Canadian oil through the Keystone opposition, right, is now branching out to oppose U.S. export of this liquid natural gas to European allies who need an energy pipeline that isn't controlled by Vladimir Putin. Hmm. The irony in the LNG terminal at Cove Point, Maryland, is that it's an already functioning facility that currently imports gas for use in the United States. The burgeoning natural gas development in the United States has made the import of this unnecessary, and Dominion Energy, which owns the plant, simply wants to reverse the flow and go ahead and export it. So if we are able to export energy, we are able to make money, we are able to make jobs, we're able to make goods for us cheaper. But no, he wants to stop this. 
He is an anti-energy warrior, says this article. Oh. He's, a, he's opposed to the export of natural gas simply because he doesn't like how it is legally extracted. However it's extracted, he's a, you know, and, he, and he's tried to stop the extraction. So instead, they say, well, if I can't stop the extraction of this fossil fuel, then I'm going to go ahead and stop the product from getting to the market that makes the production profitable. This is pure nihilism. And you might think, oh, well, he's pursuing some sort of a value here because he wants to protect the environment. It has been shown unequivocally, hey, I mean, come live. I want this guy, McKibben, to live in California this week without air mm-hmm. conditioning. Right. That's air conditioning made possible by fossil fuels. Fossil fuels kept me warm this winter. They yep. kept me cool the last few days. They're keeping me cool right now. It would be miserable. Miserable. I could, the things that you could not do. I'd like to see McKibben live without fossil fuels and say that it doesn't you know, contribute positively to human life. <sighs> Scumbag. Um, anyway, on the Keystone Pipeline question, there's been movement on that front this week as well. Oh, there was one thing I wanted to integrate with that past uh that, that story that we just talked about. Rob Abiria also linked to another story. If you go to my uh, page, you know, the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook, he also linked to a story in which Biden's son is mm-hmm. going to work for an energy company in Ukraine. Yeah. And I was kind of wondering if that's linked to this. So they're saying, okay, we want to not let Maryland export the energy and the way that we can profit financially also while stopping the export of this liquid natural gas is by having people who are in our family work for the companies overseas that are currently providing energy to the European markets like in Ukraine. That could be the integration that Rob was going for, but I didn't see it until just now. That's very much like these people in Washington to say, oh, well, we just want to stop this exportation for the environment. And really, there's some under-the-table dealings where they think they're going to make a quick buck here and there off of this supposed noble cause that they are pursuing. Right now, we've got, again, like I said, Biden's son. He's going to work for an energy company in Ukraine if this export of liquid natural gas from Maryland is stopped, then Ukraine's going to have less competition. Biden's son will make more money. Hmm. Right. Isn't that nice? Isn't that convenient? I think these guys are cashing in. The rats in this, in this kind of world where the bad guys are winning right now. You know, that, and people would say, oh, that's so pessimistic. It's a fact. The bad guys are winning. Look who's president of the United States of America. The bad guy. You know, and once if people accept the fact that he's a bad guy, everything he does makes sense. It's like, oh, okay, perfect. That that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Robert NYC is saying that you're having a positive impact on my vocabulary. Was it because I called that guy a scumbag or something? Maybe. Probably. It's got to be something. I think I called him scumbag. What did I call him? He's a scumbag, whoever. You know. yeah. Which one? You're talking about some bureaucrats? Some state McKibben. Okay. Yeah, that was the one. Another mentions here also uh, mentioned the, the Pope and his call for redistribution law. He's a socialist. I mean, he's absolute. He's a statist. I mean, that's what he is. Yeah, that's true. And uh, but that's not like a curse word, of even close. Right, so right. You'll have to come up with something, Bosch. Scum. I mean, <laughs> scumbag. Maybe yeah. it was scumbag. I kind of said scumbag. Scumbag. I, some of these people, you would love to just give them a piece of your mind in person. That's oh, what man, I really think that I would like to do. And and the next story that we've so got. So we're gonna here, have Obama here next week, right? We're gonna. 
interrogate him? I mean, interview him next week? Can you believe if he was to come on the uh, show? He wouldn't, uh, she'd have to resign after him because, you know, we'd make him say things that he doesn't want to say. Right, exactly. You know, the story that we're going to have next is going to be about Harry Reid. Yeah. You mean Cokehead? Cokehead? K-O-C-H head. Cokehead. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about a story involving our friend Harry Reid <sighs> after the news break that we're going to have in a few seconds here. Okay, I'm going to gloat about that one. That little bumper break. That I did. I'm sorry to... Jamie brought it up. She asked me how to go. I said it was so smooth. I, I didn't notice the uh, transition <laughs> music, and so it's great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a professional radio right. host basically DJ five years host, from yeah. now or something. We'll figure it out. Bosh, there was something that you said you wanted to mention yeah. during this break. As everyone knows, I'm a, I'm a cartoonist. I have a, a comic book series called The Infidel featuring Pigman, the anti-jihadist superhero. And it's available on Comixology, which is the biggest uh, digital comic book reading app in the world. Amazon just bought it, by the way. And uh, I, I had a healthy five-star rating for issue one of The Infidel. Now it's, now it's down to three. And my assumption is that some bad guys sacrificed, quote-unquote, 299 to get issue one and trash it. Now, do you know for sure that they have to purchase it I'm in not, order to I'm, review it? I'm not 100%. I, I'm assuming that would be the case. Otherwise, what the hell? I mean, why would have you, you have you purchased it yourself yes. through Comixology? I have. Okay, and so the the fact that you were able to review it yes. doesn't say anything. No. But I don't think that I have purchased it through Comixology, okay. although I've seen it okay. from you. So maybe I should try to go yeah. in there. Exactly. If anybody wants to try, I mean, even if you haven't, I'm purchased, asking those who because uh, you, you may have purchased it as a PDF download exactly. from Bosch so those already. Who got it from Comixology? And if you haven't, I do recommend it. It's it's uh, it takes on this pulse. Post 9/11 world, head on. Uh, if you got it, if you just and you haven't rated it, if you could go there, I would really appreciate it. Uh, I think it's just it's unnaturally down too far from five stars to three stars. That means a lot of people are doing one stars. And the fact is that cover has Pigman grabbing the beard of a jihadist right up close to his face, and the guy is scared. You know what? And anyone who sees that cover, they know what they're getting into. They're not going to have one star for that. They can say, "Well, I, I'm reading a comic against jihad," and if you if you get it for that purpose, you're going to get it. Otherwise, you're looking for trouble. You're just looking to smear something. So if you do get it, I would really appreciate it. Yeah, so, definitely. If, if you go on Comixology and uh, rate it, whatever, whatever you want. But what I'm saying is if you, if you like it and you haven't gotten it. Yeah, even, but even, even if you've purchased it before yeah. when he was doing it as a PDF download, before it was accepted by Comixology, you could still go over there and review it if, if they allow could, yeah, the reviews. And, and I suspect that they must because there were so many reviews of that um, – what do you call it, Miss mm, Marvel? Right. It seemed to be more than right. could possibly have been purchased. Right. It seemed. But by the way, issue four is coming. There's still no uh, super super villain that Mrs. Marvel, the Muslim super, is fighting. There's no villain. Just for the record, she hasn't fought anyone yet. 
they they have to establish what a great girl she is that's first, right, you know. That's right. So I was going to talk just a little bit about the work that I'm doing on my book, legalizing privacy, why and how, and the work's going well. It's going not quite at the rate that I would hope. I had thought that yesterday I would finish chapter one, and it's not quite done. I'm going to have to do a little bit over the weekend in order to get that chapter fixed, but that's okay. I think I can devote a few hours and, and get that done over the weekend. Cool thing is, next week, I've got a few days I'm going to devote to Chapter 2, and then Thursday or so, I want to try to make a Kickstarter. So then you'll see a video from me where I'm explaining the book and how I'm doing, but I don't want to do that until I've got Chapter 2 completely under the belt. I think there's going to be only seven chapters total, but it's going to be saying all the things that I have said or wanted to say about privacy over the last 10 to 15 years, I'm embarrassed to say, maybe 15 plus years. Somewhere there's a picture of me giving one of my first lectures on privacy. And it was for a Southern California objectivist organization that Brian Yoder organized. And my hair is like sillyly curled and I'm like flailing my arms wildly talking about (laughs) privacy issues. It's kind of funny. But yeah, I may may have to have that picture up there on the Kickstarter just to say, look, I've been talking about this stuff for a long time. And then finally, at this stage, you get some nice integrations that make it into a book. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, uh, Trevor and uh, Freedom Breeze. They they got the comic. I appreciate it. By the way, also, I am working on uh, Chapter 3. So try to get out there as soon as as soon as I can. I'm writing, penciling, inking, lettering it, coloring it. Currently, so currently, it. I've seen him agonizing over the script. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't blame you yeah, at all. That's a hard get, thing. There's, you know, there's a lot that goes on in this one. A lot. But your to. your script is kind of in the same stage as my book on privacy, in that much of it is already written. Oh yeah. But there's oh, some yeah. things that you still I need have, to do. I'm yeah. cutting at this moment. I'm cutting. Why am I not surprised? I build, <laughs> and I mean seriously, my first graphic novel, I don't know what it was, a thousand pages. Second one, two thousand plus. So far, that I've written, this is no joke. The book will end up being 140 pages, probably. Oh, in the end. The, the all all the yeah, pages collected all, together yeah, be about 140. Uh, yeah, there's 2,000 notes. Is at that least. is that pretty ambitious? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I didn't set out to be just I set out to tell a story. Okay. Well, everyone, hang on. We are going to start the second hour of Don't Let It Go Unheard here in a second or two.
Hi, you're joining us for hour two of Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is the May 16th, 2014 edition. Amy Peikoff here. I've got cartoonist Bosch Boston here in the studio, and we want to thank you for staying on and joining us for the second hour. One thing I just want to say in general is that there is so much content out there on the Internet right now. I am so happy that you join us on a weekly basis and listen to this show. It means a lot because I myself, whereas lately, especially now I'm trying to do this book project, I feel like I live my life in a race against time. I've got so many different things going on. And to commit to actually listen to even one show, right. you know, a once a week kind of show like we do, I don't know how people do the three hours a day thing right. and actually keep up with a host. Right. Maybe you've got a commute or something like that and that makes things easier because you have that time. It's a big commitment. It, it is. Anyway, I thank you very much thank for you, spending time with us. And always appreciate it. it. Definitely always appreciate it. Let's get into some of the stories on this theme. Again, the theme of today's show is the idea of the nihilist and as Alfred says in The Dark Knight, there are some people who just want to watch the world burn. Now, one thing I should have said in the first hour, really, and I have the link earlier. If you go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, you can check out all of the program notes for today. And mm-hmm. one of the links that I put there was Don't Let It Go, last week's show. Right. Oh, yeah. Don't, so go to DontLetItGo.com and you can check all of those links do you, out. Do you want to replay the Alfred piece for those uh, who missed the first uh, hour? Sure, we can, we can definitely Trevor replay. Trevor missed the first hour. Ah, Trevor missed the or, first hour. Or, or the first 10 to 50 minutes. When you, when you play it, just, just to set it up again, if you want. Yeah, no, let's let's go ahead and grab that. Cool. Let me get over to my nice little blog, and let's play it here. Let me make sure our volume is It's just the, the way you right said it was just so well put. The writing is excellent, the acting. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. They're talking about the Joker. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal Well, because he thought it was good sport. Because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Now, I mean, Bosch, you wouldn't say that Obama is that type of nihilist? Well, he's a nihilist, but he also wants to profit from his crimes. I mean, the Joker burns money, literally. He sleeps in his clothes. He lives like a bum. You know, Obama wants to live in luxury while he's burning the world. Yeah, he, he wants to protect he's, himself. He's, he's a different type. He's, he, he is, wants, as you know, Leonard had said, Leonard Peikoff, in his book, The Dim Hypothesis, he talks about an egalitarian yeah. nihilist. And very specific, he goes, an almost, almost nearly egalitarian nihilist. I think that's how he actually described it. Where he wants, he has certain focus. He doesn't want to just burn burn it all down. He wants to burn most and then keep himself nice and comfortable. That's what he wants. He wants to watch others burn, not right. himself. Right. 
And we're seeing this egalitarian nihilism where you destroy values by supposedly trying to make either the values that everyone has equal or making the people themselves equal. We are seeing this in action in Obamacare, where Obamacare is destroying medicine as we know it. It's in the process of doing that. Couldn't keep your plan? Very few choices of plans. On many plans, you can no longer get doctors. Only the super connected or super duper rich are now going to be able to have access to high level specialists that it used to be that if people really scraped and put their money together or they bought themselves more expensive insurance plans, they could have access to that. But in some places now, none of the Obamacare plans, not even the platinum ones, are going to get you to these high level specialists. Uh, Obama is an Atlas shrug villain. I mean, that's what he is destroy and profit. Destroy and profit. Profit in the short term you know I mean? while we're yeah, on the way down. Exactly. But cash in. Cash in on everything that's going on. Thinking very short term, not thinking long range, of course, because that's the only way that you can feed off of the carcass of another human being. But, but Obama has less term. character than mm-hmm. Iran villains. I mean, he has less dimension. You know, before the break, I had promised that we were going to talk about a story involving Harry Reid. And over here in the chat room at Block Talk Radio... They are saying that there's going to be a lot of sighing going on because we're going to be talking about Harry Reid. And isn't that the all, always the way? It's not just me. It's everybody who sighs. I think people are now doing more than sighing about Harry Reid. We're starting to swear at this guy because yeah. he's truly a terrible human he's a being. He's disgusting rat, and he has a lot of power, and he's aiming that power at two individuals in the private sector. And check out my piece. It's top of my blog. It's called Cokehead, Harry Reid. Yes. Yeah. Because all he can do is he's obsessed with the Koch brothers. He's obsessed. And the fact that the Koch brothers are effectively working to change the culture. And this is one of the things I wanted to bring up. I got now back my train of thought about the last week's show, Don't Let Mm -hmm. It Go. Um, I wanted to say the fact that we're talking about nihilism today and that I'm focusing on it in a small way does not at all, (laughs) it doesn't negate what I said last week which is that, and this is the thought that I came to, I know some people disagree, I know that Ed here in the chat room disagrees about this, but um, you know, the, the fact that we are still moving in a bad direction doesn't mean that the overall change going on in the culture isn't in a good direction. Mm-hmm. And so I would talk about, like in, you know, in physics, we talk about a particle having a velocity and a velocity it always comes with a vector which means it includes a direction so we are moving you can imagine at a certain velocity towards total dictatorship malevolent disgusting destructive dictatorship that's what we're moving towards right now and there's a certain velocity that we have towards it nonetheless the acceleration on our little imaginary culture particle or whatever it is the acceleration on it I think is now in the opposite direction. Thanks in part, I think, to things like what the Ayn Rand Institute is doing, but the sort of broader umbrella people right now seem to be people like the Koch brothers, Cato. They're achieving a little bit of... Patriots. Yeah. They're trying to save the country. In the end, it's only going to be via consistent adherence to the right ideas that we're going to save the culture. But I think there's a lot of traction I mean, that's about, being achieved by the Koch brothers. And somebody, Harry, Harry Reid can't stand it. No, Harry Reid no, cannot, cannot stand the idea of the Koch brothers and thinks, other people well, actually changing him, the culture. It's a zero-sum game. If Koch brothers win, I am out. He is. I'm done. He is. Therefore, I had to, to destroy them. It's true. 
It's like people it, like him are out. They are out. They are not as wealthy. They are not. They can't. I mean, they they can be parasites, but that's about it. They can't wield as much power as they do today. But no one's going to allow them to feed off the carcass anymore. No, they're going they won't be able to. to. But what I'm saying is, if, well, if, 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 if America becomes rational, mm. he is, yeah, he's out. He'll probably commit suicide. I don't. Would be a terrible. I don't think he's going to need to. You know, we, you you had that joke before where you thought that he looked sort of dead already. Well, he's dead. Wait, he's alive. <laughs> Harry, Harry Reid. Harry's alive. I thought it was. A, I actually don't know how old he is, but. 102, I think. <laughs> He apparently had agreed to schedule a vote on forcing President Barack Obama to approve the Keystone Pipeline. Any rational president would have approved this pipeline long ago. If you have anything to say for yourself about working to create jobs and save the economy, no. You know that Obama is not at all about creating jobs or helping the economy by the fact that he's been stalling on this Keystone Pipeline. Um, anyway, they were going to have this vote to force Obama to approve it. This was a key issue in election races around the country, but Reid said he would only allow that vote if the Republicans agreed to the, quote, modest energy efficiency bill, which has languished for years despite wide and bipartisan support, blah, blah, blah. You know it's got to be a pill of arsenic or something, oh, yeah. that modest energy efficiency bill what is it it's going to shut down a bunch of coal companies and who was ever um they they want to offer amendments to the energy efficiency bill the senate republicans including measures they say to help the coal industry by limiting the regulation of planet warming gases and to speed up the approval of u.s natural gas exports right save that place in Maryland. Reed refused to allow the amendments to be considered on the floor. So now we really get the integration because Reed is not going to allow an amendment about approving natural gas exports. Why? Because that would Because it's good. That would allow it's the Europeans to buy the energy from Maryland as opposed to going to Putin or the Ukraine. Right. Which is where they're going now. And uh, Reed wants his son to get rich. Yay! Wait, is it good for America? Okay, well, we have to be against him. And that's, that's Obama, and that's Reed. That's the party. They hate America. I mean, it's the self-hatred you know, that encompasses the entire country. What is Reed's chance of getting kicked out of office? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, but then you look on the other side. Who's his, who's his counterpart? I mean, who's on the other side, allegedly? Bitch McConnell. You want him to be the, the guy in charge of the Senate? Okay, Ed in the chat room is talking about my assertion about the acceleration. So maybe I need to clarify a little bit because he says, name one actual victory in the last 15 years. And Actual victory what, in what sense, though? Politics, well, right, and right, and this is the thing. I conceded last week that there are few, if any, actual victories in politics right now. Yeah. But politics, no doubt. What, my, what I said is that the acceleration in the culture – Generally, the culture is in a positive direction. Iran's influence is that growing. hasn't yet been seen in politics, or we've seen yep. very little in politics. Iran's influence is growing, and it's is even affecting pol politics in the best in the best politicians. And I would agree with the acceptance of legalizing gay marriage that that is 
a positive yeah. benefit. And one of the things that you saw, was, wasn't there a libertarian in New York who's been influenced by Ayn Rand who was donating money to help achieve the legalization of gay marriage so, in New York? I think his son was gay or something. Right. Think, right. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. So it wasn't liberal. It was a libertarian okay. who achieved that and probably achieve momentum on that. So, I mean, I think there, I think, but really where you're seeing the primary acceleration is in the culture. Yes. And like I see things like what the Koch brothers and Cato and Politics the Ayn Rand Institute last, are doing. You know, to be affected in right. that sense. And right now you still have a few, the best politicians are influenced by rent. That's, that is a good sign right there. Just, just one aside, a, a quick a positive note. Uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, has been creating a series of children's books for young young uh, kids and teenagers. He just won an award by the young readership. They uh, accorded him an award. He was the best uh, children's book author, I believe, which is shocking. It's great, though. you got these kids who voted for him. And, no and doubt, how many kids voted for uh, him? A million something. And that's how many voted for him or voted total? I, th- I think for him. I, okay. I mean, I, I, have look, I have to look at it again, but that's good news. you got a patriot running a book that is positive, that is pro-American. And winning on a stage where a lot of those people probably would like, they, they did not want to be around when he walked up on stage and, and accepted the award. I mean, first of all, that that many kids are reading. I'm hoping that it's not their parents voting on their behalf or something. But if that many kids are reading and liking a book that proposes to give an accurate depiction of history, I'd want to see it myself yeah. and make sure he's not getting in some anti-abortion whatever in that. I hope not. <sighs> But, well, she's a guy who, his argument against abortion, you uh-huh. know what it is? What? Abortion is genocide. That's a great argument. I mean, that's it. I'm, I'm convinced. I mean, that's it. Uh, Look, he, to me, he's unlistable now, but I do check out his website. He has good content, and he is a patriot. So for him to win that award is, is great. I, you know, I think that's another definite good sign in the culture. Now, is this particular organization that gave him the award, do they usually give the award to liberal authors? Uh, I, I imagine they do. I, I mean, imagine. that would be interesting to know. I imagine the book know. publishing world is dominated, dominated by liberals. And keep in mind, the readers voted, you know, not these uh, liberal elites. But this is the great thing about 2014 is that you can publish a book and sell it yeah. without having to go through the normal Nothing. book channels. Nope. If the Kickstarter thing that I do works, I'm going to be able to offer the book both as a hard copy and as an ebook through... Amazon, eventually Barnes and Noble, because yep. you can go through the yes, processes of submitting it to them yep. and get it and, there. And if they accept my books, I think uh, they, they'll, they'll accept anything. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, they actually right, look right. at my books. No, but I mean, I think that there's a lot more right now. As long as our government doesn't clamp down on it, the Internet mm. and all the technology that we have at our fingertips Incredible. has made open. Again, and this is part of my point before, there is so much content so out there. So much content. Everybody can write their book. Everybody and if you have can a do good a show. Quality book, show this and that. You can succeed. You can be successful, and you don't have to go through any hoops. You go directly to the readers, to the listeners, directly. It's fantastic. You do need some help, though, if you're like me. The Blog Talk Radio platform I, I have found helpful, but if people are continuing to be annoyed by the ads, we may we might need to rethink. So yeah. if you are being pestered yeah. by those horrible ads on the side or if there's a banner on the top or something that's bugging you, please let me know because I would like to put that complaint into the... you got to make that as the, easy for you to listen as possible. We definitely do. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I have the account that I do. It's a, I think it's called Pro or something, where there are not supposed to be audio no, and video ads. 
They're not supposed to be there. So I need to press them on that if you're getting bothered by those. Let's go on to another story here. And this is another one that Rob Abiera sent me. It was supposed to be actually for last week, but it fits better in the theme for this week. It was a Wall Street Journal story called Assault on the Chilean Miracle, and it was dated May 4th. It says, former Chilean finance minister Eduardo Aninat, I think that's how you pronounce it, has a good question for the architects of the corporate tax increases now moving through the Chilean Congress. What weed are they smoking? <laughs> a finance minister of Chile said, what weed are they smoking? That's what he says. And it's not that he's a supply-side zealot. His resume includes five years in the left-of-center government of Christian Democrat President Eduardo Frey, and later he had a stint as a deputy managing director for the International Monetary Fund. But nonetheless, he is concerned that the plan from the new government is going to damage the growth that's been going on in Chile and the development there as well. What do they want to do? What they want to do is they want to increase the corporate tax rate to 35% from the 20% that it was before. And it looks like that they are not open to not doing this. They want to sharply increase these taxes. Um, The former uh, finance minister says that she should instruct her team to hold an in-depth discussion about the matter and blah, blah, blah. But her government and its new majority coalition, says the article, controlling both houses of Congress, say no way. They won the election. They dictate. So three decades of fast growth in Chile are in danger of being completely wiped out because, hey, they won the election. Mm. They dictate. Right. Taking an extra 15% out of the profits of corporation, that's, that should make a huge difference. Don't you think? Sorry. I turn this down yeah. So anti-business, anti-progress. They've seen what it's done for Chile. Chile has been an example for developing economies or even for United States in some situations. We've heard of Chile doing some privatization of their retirement plans. Yeah, right. Isn't that right? I think that's one of the examples that's been held up by some politicians as an example. Okay. So so they want to undo it? I don't know how these people who want to undo the progress win the majority. I think people must have very short attention spans. They think, oh, we're doing so well. Yeah. Now we can afford yeah. to tax the rich, redistribute It's like wealth. the argument from the right sometimes. We can't afford uh, socialized medicine. Really? So if we could afford it, quote-unquote, afford it, then it's fine? It's immoral. It's corrupt. That's the reason why we shouldn't have it. But, you know, when they say that we can't afford the welfare state anymore, meaning if we could, they'll just, you know, maintain it in perpetuity. No. No, no. way. No. I don't think so. So that was just another example of the nihilism out there. There's another story that fits right in with what I wanted to talk about today, and it is Tammy Bruce's, her op-ed over at the Washington Times. As you know, Tammy Bruce does a weekly column over there, and this week she is talking about the obscene tactic, as she calls it, that's been going on at the Veteran Affairs Hospitals. What they've done is created secret appointment lists for the veterans who are waiting to get appointments over at the hospitals, and they're doing this in order to hide what the actual wait times are for veterans to see doctors or specialists or get surgeries, etc. She says, during the past couple weeks, we've learned more about this obscene tactic. She says, at first, it was the shock of learning 
about the deaths of 40 of our patriots may be due to this obscenity. The deaths of 40 of them because of the obscene amount of weight that they have. She says, now it seems that that might just be the tip of the iceberg. A whistleblower has come forward claiming that Chicago's VA Medical Center also keeps secret lists in order to falsify appointment wait times. And here's the rub. um, They spoke to a VA social worker, Jermaine Clarno, and she's saying the lists are not just to game the required appointment wait time, right? You've, you've heard this thing going on with the airlines. I remember hearing about this before, right, with the airlines, that they would put a lot of padding in the schedule that they tell you, you okay. know, so they say, okay, depart time from the gate right. is such and such time, time and arrival time. Right. They, they pad some extra time in there so that they have a good on-time record, okay. right? This is what the VA hospital mm. is doing to cover up the fact that they are not getting these, you know, veterans, our veterans who have protected us, they're not getting them in to see doctors in reasonable appointment times. Well, you know, bureaucracies, they're dominated by leftists, usually, liberals. And liberals are what? They're anti-war. So look at these guys. I mean, seriously, I think everything about that, they don't give a damn. They're like, these guys are veterans. These guys are monsters, you know. And no, but it seeps into their mindset. It seeps into the way they do their job. They don't give a rat's ass. Well, and listen to this. This is even worse. It says that they're doing this not just to game the required appointment wait time, right, to make it look that they are giving veterans appointments within the required time, but also they get bonuses Bonuses. when they do this. So if they have a phony appointment list. Bonuses for not doing their job, for lying. Right. That sounds like politics, yeah. That sounds like Bureaucrats. Bonuses, bureaucrats. Bonuses for not giving the services that they are required to do, according to whatever regulations currently govern them, bonuses for not doing that, for lying about it. That's what they get bonuses for. It says, when asked by CBS how far the fraud goes, Ms. Clarno said it was hospital-wide, all over the hospital, surgery, radiology, the women's clinic, all those different areas. I mean, can you imagine you're a veteran and there's the women's clinic, and you're waiting to see maybe an OB, you know, for yeah. the delivery of a child. Uh, if you make them wait too long, oh, gee, I guess the child's going to be born at home or something. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. So apparently they have horrible, disgusting wait times in the VA hospitals. Well, and the media is concealing this, these stories also, though. It's, it's a conspiracy, a concealment from them to the media and so on. Right. And Obama doesn't give a rat's ass. And now it's coming out, and I'm glad that Tammy Bruce is writing about it. I think it's it's excellent here. We're going to go ahead and, and continue talking about this story after our little break here at the bottom of the hour. And then the only major question that we have left is, Bosch, is what in the world am I going to play for this bumper? What do you think? Uh, we can have it if you have it there, but do you have my list there? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to do something like this here. You ready? Brian Ferry. That's right, Brian Ferry.
I've got Robert here in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio saying, yay, happy music. Yeah, Slave to Love, this is from the new romantic movement of the 1980s, I am happy to say. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Brian Ferry. I got into Brian Ferry because of Duran Duran. I got into so many things because of being into Duran Duran. You know how you kind of do that? You start branching out. And I tried to get into some David Bowie. Some of the David Bowie was a little bit too weird, but I did actually go to a David Bowie concert once. I got some good songs from Dave Bowie. Great stuff. Got into a little Kate Bush because of Duran Duran. Certainly got into Brian Ferry because of Duran Duran. Tried to get into a little um, Robert uh, Palmer. Elliot's comment. (laughs) What does Elliot say? This is like the music they play at the end of the 80s movie when the couple is kissing against the sunset. Oh, so sweet. Uh, it's actually cheese. I wanted to make one comment, though, Robert. When I played at the very beginning, I played Friends of Mine at the very beginning of this show, it was because it was Nihilist, you know, the, the, the supposed friends of Simon Le Bon that he's singing about who aren't really friends of his. Um, what was it? It was like, uh, how did the lyric go? There are no heroes, basically. Yeah, yeah yay. Yeah. There's no. We twist and shout because right. there's no more heroes, and right. this is awesome. That's what some people do, and this is the kind of thing that we're going to talk about when we come back from well, the break, right? We want to talk about yeah. Phil Jackson. Yes. Right. Also something else here that I think is important. What? What's that? Just about uh, bad guys are winning. You know, and there's an entire part of the world that's a war with us where the bad guy won. And I just want to have. I just want to read this one small little thing that I think. I let's, know. Let's, let's see how we're doing on our stories. I don't <laughs> no, know. It's, we, it's, you know, it's poor, poor, poor Daniel. Daniel, we were thanking him for this wonderful tool that we have, our little show clock. And he was here in the chat room with us over here at Block Talk Radio at the beginning of the show. I saw him. And then he said, oh, it's horrible. My boss wants to have a conference call right now. Mm-hmm. And so he had to go away. So he's not here to keep us on track. But it's I think... <laughs> <laughs> They're coming to take me away. That's why I started. That's, about. Right. That's horrible. But no, we uh, we definitely can be kept on track a little bit more if, if Daniel shoves us along. I know they're still having some debate in the chat room. They were they were having a debate about whether or not there actually is positive change in the culture or not. So that was well, going on. Well, there is. Whether you deny it or not. It doesn't matter. There is. And then the other thing that we need to talk about. It's clearly there. I just, we're so used to all, all the crap coming towards us. Nielsen Trevor is talking about the actual state of the VA hospitals. He says, veterans wait a good hour for a pre-made appointment here in Salt Lake. I've never been seen uh, in the one here in less than that. So where you have to wait mm. an hour. That's true in private doctors too, though. Anyway, we better get back. We are going to be coming out of this break, and we'll talk to you in a second or two. Yep, that was a little Brian Ferry slave to love for those of you who know. And uh, another bump that I did fairly smoothly. I'm going to someday be a real radio host. Yay! That title is that Monster Cheese? Is it Swiss Cheese? Is it what kind of cheese? The title is Slave to Love. I mean, really, what kind of of cheese is it? Is it the. (laughs) 
I am uh, glaring at Bosch right now. Oh, wait, is it For the, those of you who can't see, I am Gorgonzola. glaring you know what? It's, at him. It's Gorgonzola cheese sauce. This is Brian Ferry. Oh, and I've seen Brian no, Ferry I, in concert, too. I like too. some Brian Ferry. I definitely do. Slits loaf. You know, I was just I just remembering. I'm sighing because I'm remembering. I went to see Brian Ferry in concert, mm-hmm. and I drank too much. You drank? I drank too much, and <laughs> too- I... Hardly First of all, you drank, I you drank hardly remembered the concert. Wow. Yeah, it's sad. This is horrible. I didn't get sick. I didn't drink enough to get sick. Well, then, well, then you enjoy the concert. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to have to cough here in a second, and I think it's because the smoke is starting to get us here. Mm. Mm. I think I've been affected I'm having with, a, yeah. Um, yeah. kind of a tickly throat. Excuse me one second, people. <coughs> Where's the cough button? We don't, we don't have an instant cough button. I guess we need an instant cough button they of some kind. That. Do they have it? They probably it? have burp, burp buttons also we for have, like certain hosts. We have phantom power, and we have absolutely no button on the microphone itself, so our only choice is to turn the microphone off for a number of seconds. We can't do this instantaneous stuff. <laughs> Robert has a little... Uh, Robert NYC is having a little back read and it. forth with us here. No, no read it about, about Brian, Brian Ferry. Brian Ferry's girlfriend was Jerry Hall. Then Mick Jagger met her and took over. <laughs> He took over. That's hilarious. Uh, oh, Elliot is anticipating that I'm going to chuck my shoe at Bosch. <laughs> I, could, I could cough all over him. No, there's a standard of music that is the greatest, and then there's other music. I mean, that's not the greatest. <laughs> and I'm very, very judgmental when it comes to that. I mean, I love something or not. That's my thing. I mean, but there are certain. Okay, like uh, there's a Van, a Van Halen song. Right. I distill it to 15, 20 seconds. That's their whole career to me. It's a nice moment in one song. That's Van Halen to me. Right. And that's it. It's a, it's a part in Panama where the whole music just, where Eddie, where Eddie Van Halen is not doing a, you know, with a whole really laser quick uh, guitar where it calms down, takes a breath, and has a nice little long sound in his guitar. And that's, that's good. Outside of that, no. <laughs> I think that there are probably some other good ones too, Bosh. No, that's, it's only 15, 20 seconds of Van Halen's career. That's good. You are terrible. <laughs> anyway, you are tri- let's, I let's, think I'm joking, Bosh. Let's, let's sure. go back to Tammy Bruce's excellent column talking about the horrible stuff that's going on in the VA. As I Trevor was, continued, though, with something also. Yeah, um, let, let, let's talk about what Trevor Nielsen Trevor is saying over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. And he's saying that he has experience trying to deal with the VA. He says the veterans wait a good hour for a pre-made appointment here in Salt Lake. I've never been seen in one in th- there in less than that. And then he continued. And that's uh, terrible. He says, and they don't listen to you yeah. when you give them responses. That's the whole thing. They still give you a bunch of nonsense and tell you to come back again and again with no progress on again, your case. It's like, it's like having uh, the 99% in charge. I mean, that's really what it comes off to me. They hold these people in contempt. They hate them. They see them as monsters in their own minds. So they're like, hey, if they go, they go. What are you going to do? You know, I think the whole system is is screwed up. And and here's the thing. You might believe, and I'm totally open to this, that if somebody goes and fights for our country, puts their lives at risk, does all sorts of horrible things, goes through the grueling physical training and everything required, uh, acquires expertise that is of value to us and goes and serves the country, right? They go and do this. One of the benefits you might think you want to give them is health care coverage for life, 
I mean, that could be a benefit. I don't, you know, maybe you should just give them money instead. Certainly, you should not have the government running the healthcare system. Right. And what this is a preview of, of course, is yeah. what healthcare is going to look like as Obamacare is continued to be phased in. Someone was saying, I can't, I, I looked at this the other day, but I can't remember where, that everything's supposed to collapse in Obamacare in 2017 or something, basically right after this guy leaves office, that everything in the world is going to collapse. And then what are they going to do? Depending on who's in office, whether we have Hillary or a Republican schlub who may as well be Hillary or a good one like Ted Cruz is going to depend, you know, is going to determine whether we go towards socialized medicine or whether... It's also, you know, they scale it back. When Reagan became back government involvement. When Reagan became president after Carter, he was able to somewhat clean up Carter's mess, but he just is is only so much you could do. Is only so much you could do. And how quickly? The deficit is so deep in so many ways, and that's why with Obama, the next one is going to have such a hell of a time trying to bring things back to some semblance of normalcy. That I don't know. Uh, We'll see. You know, we'll see. People, in terms of denial, in terms of you know things that are bad, I tweeted something the other day, I said, I need to remind myself that no matter how bad and destructive Obama is, he's merely a symptom of an irrational culture and he's cashing in. And someone wrote back on Twitter and said, but how, true, but how does that make you feel better? That's not my purpose, to feel better. Being in alignment with reality, quote unquote, makes me, quote unquote, feel better because I'm, I'm being honest. And then a friend of mine on Facebook uh, basically, you know, presumed to tell me, well, you can't just give up type thing. You've got to fight as if I'm not fighting, as if I'm not fighting. No, I mean, I think expressing the truth doesn't imply anything one way or the other. It's that what do you do about that truth? You know, this, the thing that just came to mind is the hokey things that you hear from the self-improvement people. Yeah. It's, you know, one thing is what happens, the event that happens, right. and then the other thing is how you react right. to it. And the fact that you identify that Obama is just a symptom of this culture Absolutely. and he's cashing in on, cashing in on it, that doesn't mean if one we way or were, the other. How, we how are you going to react yeah, to it? What we are you doing? If we were a healthy, we're rational culture, he would not be president today. It, no. it couldn't happen. It would be impossible. Right. But we, we are not. We're very sick. And our culture is very rational. And that's why you get a guy like that to be nominated, to, to, to get a nomination and be voted in twice. Twice. This scum. And again, even though, like I say, overall the culture is irrational, last week I argued, and I think I made a decent argument, that... In the culture at large, the acceleration is in a positive direction, even though in general still we're on that negative path towards what I I call in my book Another Dark Age. The fighters are fighting a lot harder. Uh, They have the truth on their side, and that's what they did this, especially when you see what's coming. The fighters are fighting a lot harder. Well, and this is all that Rand said was required, right? All that Rand said was required is not necessarily that a majority adhere to the ideas, but that you have a determined minority, a determined persistent minority, able to continue to spread the right ideas in a free society. We have to have a free society, though. I spoke about last week, and if you haven't heard last week's episode, really check it out. We, We spoke about this. I think it was a very good episode. Well, and, and, this is, and this is something we're going to keep revisiting throughout the year because we need to keep looking for those Just, signs. Now, let me yeah. let me um, go back to, again, sure. go to my program notes, don'tletitgo.com. You'll see all the stories that we want to talk about today. And what I want to do next, Bosch, is go on to this story about Phil Jackson mm-hmm. that you've been discussing this week. Can you give people a little bit of background about what's been going on with Phil Jackson well, lately? He's the greatest, you know, 
Phil Jackson is the greatest coach in, I think, team sports history. He has 11 championship rings as a coach, two as a player, 13 championships. He's the greatest. And uh, people always mock me and say, well, you know, he had Jordan, he had Kobe, he had Shaq. Okay, did Jordan win before Jackson or after Jackson? No. Did Kobe? No. Shaq won with another great coach, Pat Riley, once also in Miami Heat. But anyway, he's a great, great coach. And uh, he took over the New York Knicks uh, pres- you know, president of basketball operations job. He getting paid $12 million a year. He was getting paid $12 million a year his last, uh, his last uh, go with the Lakers. And I, I doubt he wants to go get paid less. You know, position, people are mocking that even. But now he uh, is trying to find a coach. Uh, to install, you know, the, the uh, triangle offense, his offense that he used for uh, the Bulls and for the Lakers, and uh, he wanted a one one former player of his, Steve Kerr, who works for TNT. He's an analyst. He's an NBA player. He's a five time champion with the Spurs and with the Bulls. He played with Jordan. He had a game winning shot against the uh, Utah Jazz, nineteen ninety seven, game game six, I think. And anyway, so he wanted him, and he's been they've been talking and talking. And then all of a sudden, when Phil Jackson wants him, other teams start to want him. Not based on any history that this guy has as as a coach, just on the fact that, wait, wait, the greatest coach in history wants him, so he must be good. So uh, Steve Kerr joins, uh, signs with the, uh, with the Golden State Warriors. Five-year deal. He couldn't get that with the Knicks. But the only reason why Steve Kerr has that job is because Phil Jackson wanted him. But people are dismissing that. They're overlooking that to say, oh, Phil Jackson blew it. Phil Jackson didn't get the guy he wanted. More or less, Phil Jackson sucks as an executive is what they're saying. And they're telling him what to do in a most arrogant, nasty way. They, you know, this guy is Stephen A. Smith. He's a, usually a good commentator. He says, you right, gotta, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's his article that yeah. I linked to at DontLetItGo.com. He goes, you, you, you got to call Mark Jackson, okay? You know, Who is Mark Jackson, by the he, way? Mark Jackson is a former player. Uh, he was with St. John's. He was with the Knicks. He was with the Pacers. Then he's with... Uh, now, he was analyst also. He was, he was a first-time coach, uh, coached the uh, Golden State Warriors to a, a good record for the last two, three years. And uh, he was let go, fired. And uh, people said, oh, he, sh- he shouldn't be fired, or whatever. There was something going on behind the scenes, something that he's not talking about, something that they're not talking about. Something must have happened. And the fact is, uh, people, he's also a, a pastor in his uh, church, very religious, puts it in the face of his players. And God, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's personally annoying. And who knows? I mean, maybe someone, maybe some player is not religious. So if you keep hearing it every day, it must, it must get to you. Let's say he put off some people. Good record. It wasn't good enough for the owners. They probably said, we've got to get rid of this guy. So, so they did. And now uh, everyone is assuming that Phil Jackson gets the guy. This guy has never uh, coached the triangle office before. Uh, Phil Jackson is going to get the guy that he wants. But the whole idea here is that Phil Jackson sucks now. He has a, a great history. And also, one, one attitude that keeps coming up, Coach Phil, why don't you just coach? Phil Jackson does not want to coach anymore. That's why he became the president of operation, basketball operations. They're saying coach, and they're saying that in order for, in their mind, he will fail with a bad team without Jordan and all these guys. He'll fail, and then they could say, "Hey, man, you're not great. You're, you're just like me." There's envy there. There's um, this desire to see a great man go down, and it's disgusting. And the attitude is so nasty about it. They're, right. they're getting off on it. They're getting off that Steve Kerr spurned Phil Jackson. I don't, I don't even know how you listen to the Stephen A. Smith guy from everything that you, uh, you told know me what? about him. La- last few times, he's. I, th- I think he might. Uh, anyway, I don't know. It's just my assumption. But he was. He was getting very nasty about the Steve Kerr uh, be wanted by Phil Jackson, and said, "My people never get that call. Meaning is black. Meaning, black people don't get. Are you kidding me?" 
the NBA is dominated by blacks, 80% players, coaches. I mean, it, it is dominated. And this idea that they're not getting a fair shake, right. that's, a, that's a lie, first of all. It's an absolute lie. Now, I want to save, say, the last 10 minutes or so of the show for positive stories today because we are focusing on this nihilist theme, this just, idea that there's some people who just want to watch the world burn. You have something else? One last thing I want to say about that, about the war that we're in. And we're, we're, we're dealing with the enemy that comes from a world where the bad guy won. You know when they say when movies, bad guys, you know, bad guys usually won. No, this is the world where the bad guy won. Bad guys won. And uh, this is what I said. I said, the only way Islam can have its evil recognized as the unchallenged good in the world is for Muslims to obliterate its enemies, to obliterate any and all moral standards, so that only the moral negation that is Islam is left standing. That's the whole thing. They want, they want the competition out. They want infidels out. That's when you get Islamic peace, quote-unquote, when everyone submits to, to that. And also the left, I believe, they feel that way as well. Get their competition out. That's the only way they win. They have no morality. Uh, so in, in lieu of that, they want to wipe out those who have morality, who actually have the truth on their side. And they figure if we can blow them out of this universe, then we can not be reminded that we're evil. Then right. we could say that we, we could really pretend that we're good, even though we have to fight our own, you know, minds. That that's not that we're not. That's all I just wanted to mention. That. That's a brainful. Yeah. You, it might be time for one of your PO casts. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. Could be. I'm not done. <laughs> the, I'm next, done. The, the the next story I have actually is so minor compared to this, but it's it's along the lines of the arsonists that we have out here in California. Ed in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio reminded me that they have nice rain back east right now. So in terms of hot hot and dry weather that we have out here, no, 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 they don't have that back east. It's nice, it's rain. If it rains right now, all you hear is... That's right, it's like searing and sizzling on the pavement out there. This is what's going on back east somewhere. They still have a little bit of their own nihilism. And this is from New York, cbslocal.com. Virgin Mary statue was decapitated outside the Long Island Knights of Columbus branch. And I'm not religious. I myself wouldn't have a Virgin Mary statue, but I would think it's horrible that you just come and cut the head off of a statue of the Virgin Mary. What kind of scumbag would do this thing? It says someone cut the head off of a statue of the Virgin Mary, left it lying on the ground at a Knights of Columbus chapter on Long Island, police said Thursday. Between 10.19 a.m. Tuesday and 10 a.m. Wednesday, Someone broke the statue of the Blessed Mother, as they call it in the article, outside the Knights of Columbus chapter. A photo released by the police showed the statue in the alcove tipped off its pedestal, lying partially on the ground. The head was cut off, etc. What do you think? You would think it would be Muslims or something, but who knows? I don't know who it is. One second. Robert says that John Wooden is the best. He won with all kinds of players. No, because John Wooden's players not play against the greatest players in the world. Phil Jackson played in an arena where you got the greatest players in, in the world against the greatest players in the world. That's a big difference. College players, you know, they could be good. They could be potentially good and all that. But a lot of them tank when it comes to the, to the uh, NBA. You know, they get all propped up, and then they come there, and they crash. So he had Michael Jordan playing against his greatest opponents, and so that's a whole difference. It's, it's the highest stage, the highest level of competition, the NBA. So you're basically saying that we need to have a show – in which you debate Robert about which coach was the best? I mean, look, I love basketball. I don't know if anyone's watching NBA right now, but, you know, the Thunder beat the Clippers last night. These guys, I mean, Russell Westbrook and uh, Kevin Durant, it's just phenomenal. 
I would love to see him get a second shot at the Heat. We might to have we might have to schedule that debate. Oh, Robert says we'll take it offline. He says he's holding firm about this. Well, Jackson's greater, but you know we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll explain to you why. If uh, if you're listening to this show afterwards, I got to tell you, come sometime and listen to the show live and participate in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio because it is quite active. I don't get to nearly half the comments that are here. So he was a little wooden, John Wooden. You are so bad. Anyway, that was just a little example of nihilism that I saw in my cursory browsing of Drudge Report this morning. And let me see if I have one more. Yeah, here's one more example of nihilism. And it is this net neutrality. Net neutrality wants to achieve egalitarianism in the Internet. And why is that? Because now technology is making it possible for the service providers, Verizon, Comcast, you know, whoever else is providing consumers with access to the Internet, there's a way for them to, quote, prioritize traffic on the Internet. It would be like getting carpool lane access or fast track access on the Internet so that when there is congestion, you can just go ahead and drive into that virtual carpool lane or fast track lane and go right past. They want, they want to trespass again, the government. They want to trespass where they don't belong. This right. is what they're doing. This, right. this is what they do so all the time. Basic, you know, basically there is going to be congestion every now and then, even if – I remember there was something in this Wall Street Journal article that I linked to. There was something about – well, you know, they can't expand it. You know, there's always going to be some times when there's congestion. It's technology. They're going to find ways for more traffic to be able yes. to go around the Internet. There's what, what, what limited thinking? Well, and at what point? At one point they talked about different paths. But, the, you know, anything at any point in time is limited. And with the way that the Internet is right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure government probably has something to do with it, too. Yes. There are times in which traffic gets congested. How would you like to solve that problem of figuring out, out – well, of course, get the government out of the way. And and the way to figure out whose traffic gets to go and whose well, traffic also, is going to be held up a little bit is by who wants to pay more. Jerome Brook was talking about that's, uh, that, technology. That's, that's the moral thing. You offer the service to the highest bidder. Jerome Brook, Jerome Brook was talking about technology in his fill-in for Leonard's show mm-hmm. week after week. And it was, he was talking about the, imagine, imagine the government, what they've stifled. Imagine the technology that we don't have because of that. Imagine where we would be. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's almost unthinkable. And you know that's going to be a perfect thing to talk about in a second in connection with one of the good news stories that I have that uh, that Daniel sent me. So I don't know if Daniel's back. Anyway, um, but here what they're trying to do is the government wants to stop the service providers, the internet service providers from differentiating between the traffic. They want the internet service providers to have to treat everyone equally and they're even using language like haves and have nots haves and have nots have and have nots on the internet yep yep oh man so what i say and you know this is the interesting thing because ted cruz is coming out against what the fcc is doing now in terms and and he has an army behind him right ted cruz oh yeah (laughs) He, he needs an army but you know he he said he made some comment like don't let these bureaucrats make the regulations. It's something that Congress should do. Uh, and my answer to him was, yeah. we need to get the government out of the <laughs> exactly. way entirely. Even we the want, best or not. We need to that. let the free market decide 
how the traffic on the internet is going to go from here to there. We got to keep government out. It's like critics of Obamacare. Obamacare is good. We need Republican care. I was like, uh, actually, no. Yeah. So what? Yeah, what they want to do, right? And they're going to do the same thing to the internet as is happening to healthcare now. By trying to have equality for everyone, they're going to destroy the nature of the service, and that is what government does. All government is is force. Yeah. All it can come in is stop people from taking actions according to their own free will, yeah. stop them from acting on their own best judgment. That's all that government can do when it gets involved in the economy. And all that can be They're is red destructive. Lights. They're red lights. I mean, that's what they are. So no net neutrality. Get rid of it. And Ted Cruz, I think you're right to say, okay, don't let the bureaucrats do it. Have Congress. But that's a delay. And what you should be saying really yeah. is – that Congress should not be regulating this either. It well, shouldn't you know, be... he's been a politician for a year, so uh, I mean, who knows? You think I he's starting to I get corrupted? I hope corrupt not, him? but you're around the scum of the earth every, every single day. Who knows? We have four minutes. We need four minutes of good news. Uh, After a show of nihilism, I have it. Okay. I've got four stories, a minute of the story. Here we go. Are you ready? Yes. One, and Ted Cruz shared this. Kudos to him, but a lot of people were sharing this around the Internet. It's called The Great Unveiling. Iranian women are ditching mm-hmm. their headscarves on Facebook. And apparently there is a movement. But in real life too, right? In real life. Well, right, right. Yeah. So what they're doing is just, they you know, are posting on Facebook pictures of themselves without their headscarves, which they, they have done in certain situations. Like maybe they're at a deserted beach. There's a picture of a woman at a deserted beach, and she's taken her headscarf off, and it's flowing in the wind behind her. And she posts that picture of herself on the Internet, and she's saying, look, I do not find this headscarf attractive or comfortable or any of the stupid lies that they want to. The libs tell us otherwise. Oh, no, no, no. They want to to wear that. It's good for them. No. No. They're forced to. The story was at voactive.com, and it says that going out in public without a hijab can get you 70 lashes and 60 days in prison. And then raped in prison for every day. Yeah, raped yeah, by the guards. that's right. If you go to prison. These women are taking the risk, apparently. And the thing that I, I read this story a while ago. I haven't read it recently. I remember saying that they were inspired by this woman who doesn't live in Iran. She's a liberal Iranian journalist. And where does she live? She lives somewhere overseas. In the, in the West? Yeah, she lives in exile in the United Kingdom. So she's inspired it. Oh, she's like, look, no. do like I do. But they live there. Oh, no. I thought that was a little... Eh. Yeah, that's... I, I mean, still, kudos to them for doing it. Good, I mean, good for them, they, but this one. they know what the risk is, and they're doing it anyway. Yeah, but th- this hack knows also. She got the hell out of there. She's living in a more civilized country. This sort of, um, you know, this kind of buttresses the ideas that I heard from Leonard Peikoff years ago, which was that... As far as we know, people in Iraq, they didn't want freedom. This idea that you're going to have Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, Where they want freedom is in Iran. And there's examples of people in Iran who definitely do want yes, freedom. Yes. Now, let's, uh, let's talk about another bit of good news. But I think it's got, again, a little bit of a negative edge to it along the lines of what you were saying about your own Brooks podcast. Right. It's a story about how much an iPhone would have cost to purchase in 1991. And somebody went through and they said, look at all the things that the iPhone does. Look at what the conglomeration of all those devices would have cost you in 1991. And it would have been $3,000 to buy all the different devices required to perform all the functions of an iPhone in 1991. And I think 
even though we see, yes, in technology we have come so far. Mm. We have this great little computer Fantastic. in our hands with us, right? We have to keep ourselves from getting distracted I by it. I love my iPhone. Maybe. <laughs> maybe too much. What? Um, but in any event, I this is this iPhone. is awesome. And maybe it would be that much more awesome if government didn't intervene as much as it does. Relatively less intervention in the tech industry. Countdown, one minute. Two more stories. Measles virus has been used to put a woman's cancer into remission. Hat tip to Ted Cruz, who posted that on Facebook. It's also been posted around He's other places. He's the only politician that matters. Okay. And, what are we thinking? You know, I guess what we'll have to do is we're going to have to bump into next time our review of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, the and the TV season show. finale and stuff. If you haven't checked it out, check it out, and we will talk about that one next week. But if you're listening, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. We can continue the discussion from today over there. You can also check out all the program notes, all the links to the stories that we talked about today. You can subscribe to the blog. That's the best way to keep in touch with us. And if you want to contribute, we will not object. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for participating in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. And you guys, I want you to have a great weekend. Take care.